The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Welcome into another episode of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, a podcast produced by RepublicEN.org. I am Price Atkinson. I am not Chelsea Henderson. The normal voice you would hear welcoming everybody in to the Eco Right Speaks. She is taking a little bit of time this week as her oldest is headed off to college, but most importantly, she will be, be she will be back with me in the final segment uh, to wrap things up. But even more important than that, she has got a two part interview. We're going to bring all of it to you in this episode of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, folks. It is a two part interview with former Congressman. Carlos Curbelo. You don't want to miss this, this conversation that Chelsea had with former congressman and Republican from the South Florida area. Carlos Curbelo uh, obviously lost his seat in Congress, unfortunately, but a great friend of the eco-right and somebody that we all admire uh, and look up to for his leadership on climate change issues. That interview is coming up in the very next segment, so you don't want to miss that. We're going to break it up into two parts. But that conversation with Chelsea that she had with Carlos Curbelo, it is coming up in the next segment. But first, I've got a special colleague that's going to be joining me here right now. All right, joined by our engagement director, Wynn Lee, from sunny Southern California. And Wynn, we've uh, we've had you on, obviously, before, uh, getting to know the team here at Republican.org. But we had some exciting news last week, and you know we can officially share it with everybody this week. I will let you take the honors and uh, tell our listeners everything that they need to know about our new website. Yes. Thanks, Price. So after many years of uh, having the same website, we have finally um, taken advantage of these corona times where we can't do too many in-person events, and we're uh, we finally have had the time to revamp our website, and we're so excited. It looks great. It's more organized. We feature our community members prominently, and we have lots of new pages and new resources to offer. So the, the URL is the same. It's still republicen.org, but if you go over to it now, you will see a fresh look. It looks super fresh. It looks super awesome. Like you said, it's still Republican.org, but it's got that spiffy new look, all thanks to you and your hard work. And, you know, tell tell everybody, you know, about some of the features, uh, maybe something, a few things that might be a little bit new, but that and also, you know, the resources section is, a, is something that a lot of people, we get questions about, you know, how can I talk to you know, a friend about climate change that may be skeptical or what are some details, uh, data, what are some videos I can share? It, it, you know, just some resources that we, that people in our community can share with others to help them learn more about climate change and why we need to act. Definitely. Yeah. So one of the new things on our site is the resources section. Um, and if you go to the, the page or you go to the website, um, there's a resources button up on top, very easy to find. And there you can find a whole bunch of things that we offer 
to anyone who is interested. So one thing that you had mentioned, Price, is our new digital gallery page, Mm -hmm. which has some of our best shareable graphics, shareable videos, um, which at just a click of a button, anyone could share on social media. Um, And these are videos and graphics that are eco-right. These are things about climate change from a conservative lens. And we feel like there's not a lot of that stuff out there. So um, we want to get it out there as as easily as possible. And if you have uh, friends who are conservative or family members who are conservative and don't feel like anyone's talking to them in their language, uh, we hope you'll use some of these videos and graphics to share with them um, to uh, get the word out about the eco-right. Yeah, in addition to the gallery, we also have um, now our our webinar page is set up. We have a podcast page all about this podcast. Um, and we have a spokespeople page that's right there in the resources section as well. And we have a new event page. So all of these things are very clear and easy to find. And we hope that people will go and take a look, take advantage of the resources we're offering. And... Um, Oh, and I should also mention that we do have a new new revamped climate change page that talks about not only uh, climate science, but also climate policy, including carbon pricing, and is written in a way that is easily shareable. It's very accessible. It's not super wonky and complicated. Um, and so these are also really great resources that you can share with people who want to learn more about climate change and the conservative solution. All right, continuing with Wen Lee, our engagement director here at Republican.org. Um, not just our engagement director, but website builder extraordinaire. And when one of my favorite sections is the get involved section, not only because if people get involved, uh, sign up, that we will, you know, we read a lot of names every single week on the podcast. It's not just for that reason, but it's the reasons uh, to join uh, Republican.org, our community. You can be part of the movement. Um, you know, you can uh, write, share, organize, sign up. And if you want to, you can sign our petition down at the bottom. I love Get Involved because that's what it's all about. Me too. Me too. Yes, we have. Uh, if you go to our homepage at RepublicEN.org, you will see a big Get Involved button right up on top. You click on that and um, you will see there photos of Um, people in our community and see testimonials of people who have been involved with us. You can join and sign up very easily from there or invite a friend or family member to sign up. And then we also talk about what you will get when you sign up with us. Um, You will get support for taking action. We'll help you write letters and send petitions to your elected leaders. We give you content to share with family and friends. We will work with you to organize events, either digitally or in person once the uh, pandemic ends in your local community. Um, And we just have lots and lots of ways for you to take action. And all you have to do is sign up. Win, awesome job on the website. Uh, again, Republican.org. Thanks so much for sharing all the hard work you put into this and letting our listeners know some of the new bells and whistles and uh, just that fresh new look and ways they can uh, utilize a lot of the content and information that we got. Uh, awesome having you back on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. I hope everyone goes to visit our website, <laughs> Republican.org. Share it with your friends and family and uh, just go check it out and let us know what you think. 
Thanks there, Wynn. And when we come back, a two-part conversation that Chelsea Henderson, my colleague, did with former Congressman Carlos Curbelo. An outstanding conversation and interview you will not want to miss. And it's coming up next here on the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by Republican.org. We now continue on the Eco Right Speaks podcast. Visit RepublicEN.org online to sign up and stand with us. And listeners, the day has come. I've been teasing this famous guest for weeks now, and today he's with me, virtually, of course, the one, the only, former Florida Congressman Carlos Curbelo. If you run in climate circles, this man needs no introduction. But let me just run through some of the basics. He is a former school board member who served the 26th District of Florida in the U.S. House of Representatives from 2015 to 2019, and those Four short years, he carved out a reputation for climate leadership, co-founding with delegation mate Ted Deutsch, the bipartisan House Climate Solutions Caucus. And in 2018, he was the first Republican to introduce a carbon tax bill since our very own executive director, Bob Inglis, did it back in 2010. Since leaving Congress, Carlos has joined the ranks of many of our eco-right allies, including the Alliance for Market Solutions. I'm so thrilled to bring you my conversation with Carlos Curbelo. Thank you, Congressman, for joining us today. Thank you, Chelsea. It's great to be with you and to be part of this uh, new, exciting podcast. Well, we're really excited. We had had this dream to have a podcast for a while and just never really had the time to execute. But during these times of COVID, our other responsibilities sort of um, went down a little bit. Bob's not traveling as much and in my job, I'm always looking for the eco-right news, looking at the accomplishments and actions of people like you and reporting on them. And not that much is happening in the conservative climate world right now, sadly. So it was a good time to fill up that extra space with um, putting this dream into action. So um, one thing that I am really struck by that you have said in the past is you've really called climate change a local issue. And you know, some people refer to climate change as global warming. I think one of the struggles that we've had is to make climate change feel personal to people, which will then spark the desire to act. So why do you think it is important to connect that dot and how do we get more people to see it as a local issue? So that's right. This has for a long time been an abstract issue, something that maybe belongs in university classrooms for, for discussion or um, something that, yeah, might be an issue for some people, but not necessarily for me. And what's, what's happening you know, are two things. Uh, what, one of them isn't good in the sense that uh, we're now uh, starting to see more and more the obvious effects of a changing climate in communities throughout uh, our country and the world. Obviously, here in South Florida, uh, we're a prominent example of that. We have uh, tidal flooding uh, in Miami Beach, in the Florida Keys. Um, we, uh, we have ocean acidification, which is killing our reefs, the third largest reef system in the world. So it's, it's no longer uh, you know, a theory or something in abstract here in Florida. And, and, of course, other communities are seeing this in different ways. Uh, challenges 
for farmers as uh, climate um, and weather patterns change due to due to uh, global warming, um, uh, extreme weather events. Uh, you know, I tell people, Chelsea and I always try to tell people, you know, let's be sober and honest. Hurricanes are not caused by climate change. We've had hurricanes for a very long time, but their intensity, their size is influenced uh, by warmer uh, you know, atmospheric and, of course, more significantly, ocean uh, water temperature. So that's number one. We're seeing the effects of climate change. And also the, the media has changed the way they cover uh, this story before it was always about the debate about whether it was real or not. Uh, now a lot of editors uh, and producers and and, and uh, newsmen and women are just covering the facts, the story. What is happening in Miami Beach? What is happening in South Carolina? What is happening uh, in coastal California? So. Um, that's uh, it, it's a shame that uh, we're so deep into uh, the risk of, of um, carbon emissions that we're seeing the effects. But at the same time, uh, you know, being an optimist uh, or looking at this from a positive perspective, it empowers us. It makes it easier to find good solutions um, to a problem that is now evident. Um, one thing that I think about, though, is. Okay, so there in Florida, unfortunately, you, you are seeing all of these impacts on a daily basis and people are connecting the dots. How do we connect the dots for the people that aren't living in communities where they're seeing or they're feeling they may have impacts and they're not taking them personally? And, and I will just illustrate this point with um, my aunt who lives in Indiana, who will not be listening to this podcast, who came up to me at a wedding probably about 10 years ago, and it was my cousin's wedding, and she said, Chelsea, your mom tells me that you are working to stop climate change. And I said, yeah, that's right. And I had just left the hill, and she said, well, your uncle and I want to know why you want to ruin our nice summers. We're finally getting nice warm summers here in Indiana, and so why are you trying to take that from us? And I tried to go into, okay, so you're, you have a lot of ag in Indiana, so agriculture is going to be impacted by these, you know, by changing climate. And she said, yeah, but our corn's never been better. And I just, it was like a forehead slap moment where I thought, wow, we have a lot of work to do if even in my own family I have people that are, are denied. But I do think that for some who aren't feeling those impacts on the regular, that it is harder, it's still abstract. Yeah, and Chelsea, but there's a, there's an angle in with most people, and again, we're seeing the effects of climate change now in in obvious ways in places where before it wasn't as evident. Um, people are are understanding and in some cases experiencing that the environment and the economy are really the same issue, and that uh, a a weekend environment uh, means a, a weaker economy. Uh, I'll give you an example coming back to Florida here. The, um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, people, especially in the Florida Keys, depend on, on Florida Bay and the health of Florida Bay for, for uh, their charter boat operations, for fishing, obviously restaurants. 
a few years ago, we had uh, an issue where uh, Florida Bay was essentially dying because uh, there wasn't enough uh, water flowing uh, from the Everglades into Florida Bay. And uh, the salinity levels in the bay were very high. And, of course, that's, that's, that puts a strain on marine life. The most dramatic example of that, of course, is the Dead Sea in Israel. Um, so all of a sudden, charter boat captains and, and fishermen and restaurant owners became environmentalists. And we're seeing this happen all around the world. And even for those that come from communities where, for whatever reason, the effects of climate change aren't as evident, uh, there are other angles. I think people who are uh, deeply religious, for example, take very seriously uh, the idea of being uh, good stewards of God's creation. And that's another uh, way in, another way to convince people, to invite them to engage constructively on this issue. And, you know, as, as um, easy as it is to be skeptical and skeptical and pessimistic about uh, where we are in this movement, uh, we, we have to recognize that even in Congress, we've seen uh, dramatic growth uh, in the last couple years. Uh, I tell people that I was part of a House Republican conference in the 114th and 115th Congresses where the leadership wouldn't, didn't even want to hear about this issue. For sure. They, they For did sure. not want to acknowledge it. Now uh, we have Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader, saying that Republicans are going to solve climate change and that they want to appeal to the young voters who value this issue. Um, in the Senate, you spoke about Indiana. Mike Braun. Mike Braun. I know. I'm going to try to get him on this podcast. <laughs> we, we, you should definitely have him on. I'll, I'll suggest it to him. But he... Uh, you know, he's a, he's a coal state senator, right. uh, but he has decided that he wants to lead on this yeah. issue because he's also an outdoorsman and he's a conservationist and he cares about the environment and he cares about his 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 grandchildren. Yeah. So uh, even though it's been tough times, I think things are getting better quickly. They are. And, and I do think it's important to meet people where they are. So what you said about faith, and we heard a few weeks ago from a faith author, Lindsay Linsky, who wrote a whole book about this, about comparing passages of the Bible to why you need to have personal responsibility. And she doesn't specifically call out climate change, but it's the un, you know sort of underlining principle is we're taking care of this space and this earth, just like you take care of your house or you take care of your family. And... And then the economic side is very interesting. In a different life, I worked on the Everglades restoration and was part of the 2000 SERP, working in the Senate on the EPW committee at that time. And I do remember that a lot of our sort of unusual at the time suspects who were supporting us were in the tourism industry and those fish hunters, anglers, the um, tour boat leaders and folks who wanted to have a healthy Everglades because they understood it was a key part of the Florida ecosystem at large and tourism being such an important part of the Florida economy. You can't not love the environment and be pro-Florida, really. Right, right. Um, and that sort of brought me to, and I was thinking about our, our conversation today, you, as I mentioned to our listeners earlier, introduced the first carbon tax bill as a Republican since our own Bob Inglis back in 2010. And 
It's wow. <laughs> exclusive club <laughs> a very exclusive club um mr rooney is in that club now too but um the market choice act i was thinking the other day um so listeners this was um a concept where we would tax carbon and then use those revenues for infrastructure and wow couldn't we use the market choice act today where the economy is in the tank we are seeing these jobs numbers that aren't good. And what a way to sort of, I know we shouldn't be for killing birds, but killing two birds with one stone, where we could do something for climate change, but also start putting some Americans back to work and improving our infrastructure. That's three birds. <laughs> yeah, look, well, first, uh, you know, uh, hats off to, to Bob Inglis for, for being the, the true pioneer in this space. And uh, I was happy to follow uh, in, uh, in those footsteps and, and do my part to, to lead boldly in, in, uh, in an important uh, issue area. Uh, and, and yeah, not, you know, no pride of authorship, but I think that that kind of bill uh, could jolt uh, the economy and just produce so many wins for so many different people, really for everyone. But uh, obviously, you mentioned the investment in American infrastructure, you know, the opportunity to actually invest a trillion dollars in infrastructure, but doing so in a way that doesn't add to the deficit and that doesn't burden future generations with uh, crushing financial debt, uh, the opportunity to make some American families, the ones who are struggling the most, better off financially as a result of this policy. Uh, and then, of course, the immeasurable benefits to the environment, uh, which, of course, means to the economy and to, uh, the livelihoods of, of, of all of us, uh, uh, current and future generations. So uh, I'm, um, I, I know that we're closer to that kind of solution than we've ever been. Uh, I don't know how close we are. Maybe maybe we're not close, but we're definitely closer. And uh, more and more Republicans are quietly talking about this kind of solution. Um, you know, depending on what happens in November, I think this solution um, or one like it could gain a lot of steam, gain a lot of momentum, and, and perhaps even... Uh, become law during the next Congress. So uh, it's exciting, and I'm glad to have uh, made a small contribution. I, I tell people that uh, while I was in Congress, I, I, I always knew that it's very difficult to actually pass major legislation, right? Uh, you know, another issue that I worked on and that people have been working on uh, for a long time is dreamers uh, and, and how to handle that. Uh, it's It's been you know, 20 years and, uh, and still we don't have a solution. So I, I, I knew that going in and I wanted to leave solutions on the shelf. Uh, and I think the Market Choice Act, which Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania has kind of taken over, and I'm grateful to him for his leadership uh, in this space, um, is a, a, a model, something that uh, current and future legislators can borrow from whenever they decide uh, the time is right to solve this issue, which was a long time ago, of course, but time in Congress is different. Than 
RepublicEN.org is the leading voice for climate action, and we want to hear from you. Now, let's continue with this week's episode. I know when I was working on the Hill, and I always worked on environmental issues for Republicans, and when you were trying to get co-sponsors, you couldn't just get one, you had to get two or three. Those folks had to hold hands and kind of jump together. And that's what we need, right? We need more people. If they're quiet about it now, hopefully they're talking to each other in whispers in the hallway and they can hold hands and take that leap at once because, you know, we can't really afford to wait much longer. And and I really like what you said about market choice being um, something that we could do without contributing to the deficit, which as at the time that we're recording now, the chambers and the parties are negotiating the next relief bill and it isn't going to be cheap. Not at all. It's, it's probably going to be at least a trillion dollars. And I, I often uh, compare the financial debt to the environmental debt. And, and it's a way to to help fiscal conservatives, true fiscal conservatives, which there aren't that many either. There but aren't that many left. <laughs> true fiscal conservatives uh, often understood the issue of climate change and the environment when I would tell them, you know, just – uh, you know, like you're opposed to leaving this heavy financial uh, burden on future generations, which is going to make it more difficult for them to prosper. Uh, it's going to make it more difficult for them to live in, in the most uh, dynamic and, and, and you know, leading country in the world. The environmental debt is the same. It is the same exact concept. It is um, a very selfish way of living and governing because, okay, sure, if you're um, 65 years old today, you may not experience the worst impacts of climate change. I can almost guarantee that you won't. But if you're 25, you probably will. And and I know that every grandparent and parent in, in America wants to leave their children and grandchildren a, a better planet, a better country, a better world uh, than the one they lived in. So uh, this this all makes sense for, for very many reasons. Perhaps that's why it has not become law yet. Well, uh, my son, who is 18, will be a first-time voter in November. And as we were kicking off the presidential election season, he said, well, Mom, I really have to support a candidate who is under the age of 60 because they I need to know that they're going to be here long enough to care about climate change. That was his perspective. Now, the choices are both over 60, yeah, but he has a problem, <laughs> but he gets it. He gets that, that this is something that he is going to be saddled with and your kids and, and everyone who, who is a parent right now, it's not just, they're going to inherit two big deficits, right? The environmental deficit and the budget deficit. And so anything we can do to kind of play clean up now to make that less of an imposition on them that makes us good ancestors, hopefully. Yeah, and, and again, that's why these policies are so attractive because it solves uh, climate change, or uh, well, I should say it meaningfully addresses climate change, and it can also uh, help address you know the country's fiscal crisis, right? right? I think our deficit this year is going to be over $3 trillion. This is not sustainable. We need to responsibly raise revenue. We need to raise revenue in a way that does not 
destroy jobs and and uh, destroy people's lives or or tax them in a way that's uh, excessive or unfair. And this fundamentally uh, a consumption tax uh, allows us to do that. Well, from your mouth to Congress's ears, for sure, it would be great to see some progress, especially, you know, I, I, we both know that the days of getting something done in this Congress are numbered with it being an election year. And even with the emergency health, public health situation, I don't see Congress spending many more days <laughs> um, doing anything but figuring out what the next relief and potentially recovery package looks like. And But I sort of see addressing climate change and the deficit is like wearing the mask, right? Wear the mask to protect yeah. others. Yeah, let's do what we need to do to fix this situation. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, I'd never, I'd never thought of it um, in that way. It just it came just... to me. <laughs> um, but you did write an op-ed recently in Invading Seas Project that suggested that people were more conscious of climate change because of COVID or that they're more aware of climate change through the what they'd experienced through COVID or that there was increased support and for addressing the issue. And, and that's what I'm hoping comes out of this, too, that we saw this crisis, the COVID crisis, really mishandled by our top leaders. And it's still being mishandled by many leaders. And wow, we really can't afford to do the same thing with climate change. Right. We cannot ignore major risks. We cannot wish them away. We cannot close our eyes and uh, pretend that they're just not there. Uh, we, uh, we can pray, but I, I, you know, the God I know uh, always encourages us to act right. <laughs> together, <laughs> together with our prayers. So, yes, I, I have found that this uh, this crisis, the COVID crisis, has awoken people's minds and consciences to the need to prepare, to focus on data and science, uh, to gather as much information uh, as possible in order to make the best decisions. And at the end of the day, this is all about mitigating risk, about um, understanding that there are threats out there and that we want to protect ourselves and our children and our families and our neighborhoods from these threats. So COVID-19, it's a real threat. We, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to hide from it. We just have to take some basic steps to make sure that it doesn't get us sick or in, in some you know, sad cases, uh, lead to, to death and destruction. That's the same exact process that we have to embark upon to address climate change. We're not, you know, this is not a, oh, if we don't act tomorrow, it's over. No, no, we, we of course, you know, the clock is ticking, but there is still time to take all the information we have and uh, find the best solution and this solution you know the sooner we act uh, the uh, less burdensome the solution will be right uh, if we wait to address our fiscal crisis until there's a huge um, collapse in the markets and a run on the banks 
and uh, the U.S. credit rating is, is drops, well, that's worse than doing it now when we can, over time, make the changes we need to, to guarantee our, our prosperity and our health. So, so yes, I, I, from the beginning of, of COVID, I, I got the sense that this would help people understand why climate risk is so important and why they have to pay attention to it and why they have to care about it. And I think that this has not only had an impact on everyday citizens, but also on thoughtful, um, responsible policymakers. Well, we are the greatest nation in the world, the wealthiest nation in the world. Hopefully we can figure it out. And before it's, you know, I don't want to say too late, that feels alarmist, but you know, it is better to play offense than defense, right? It would be better to do it now, you know, before it's quote unquote too late or before we're seeing kind of that point of no return. And, um, but I know we're both busy and we both would probably like to get back to doing that job. So I will let you go, but thank you so much, Congressman, for joining us today on the Eco Right Speaks. It was really great to hear your perspective on these issues. Thank you. Thanks for the important work you all do. Uh, big hug to uh, to Bob Inglis and to Socially everyone. Socially distant who- hug. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, and uh, and uh, all of you who do such important work. And uh, I ask everyone who cares about this issue, especially those who are conservative, you know, center right in their views, like I am. Um, this is this is this is a good time. We're we're gaining ground. People are paying attention, and there are, despite what you read, a lot of good women and men in Congress who understand that this needs to be solved. What we have to do is continue encouraging them to uh, boldly walk towards that solution. And uh, you know, all that means is that our uh, that us and our kids and grandkids will we'll be able to enjoy this beautiful planet uh, the way we have up to now. So thank you, Chelsea. Thank you. And now our executive director, Bob Inglis, with an idea worth sharing. You know, people like me need a lot of grace from people who knew that climate change was real while I was six years in Congress denying it. Thankfully, I've been given a lot of that grace by people who've accepted me into the climate conversation. I just asked them, Keep doing that for other people who are going to enter this conversation. Show that grace. Let them in on the conversation. Because really, we're literally all in this together. Maybe it's an idea worth sharing. Hey, Price, how did you feel about that uh, conversation with Carlos Curbelo? I thought it was for t- fantastic. That's why I was pumping it up so much. Uh, in that opening segment and when I talked with Wynn uh, about our new website and you know, I just couldn't, I think I said must listen, you know, you can't miss it a hundred times. I felt like in just about five minutes, but it really was <laughs> awesome because not only is uh, Carlos a rock star, he resembles our fearless leader uh, and executive director, Bob Inglis, obviously, and a lot of things you guys talked about and, you know, it's obviously Carlos and uh, introducing, you know, a carbon pricing bill and unfortunately losing his seat. Uh, I'm not going to say because of it, there's 
probably a lot of things at play, which we don't have to get into. But um, you know, he's just—he's just one of those model. He's—he's he's what politics and what going to Washington should be all about. He really is, and I felt like I could have talked to him for hours. It was such an easy conversation. He knows his stuff. He's so committed. It's both personal and. Um, and it extends beyond that, I feel like for him, you know, he just, he, he gets it. He gets the local side and how important it is to connect people to the climate changes that they're seeing in their own backyards. But then he gets the urgency of the global perspective as well. And so it was really just such a fun conversation for me, our first famous person, <laughs> hopefully not the last. <laughs> Working on more. Working on more. Working on more. Yep. Working on more. Um, I want to uh, shout out a couple new members, Chels, that uh, joined on uh, to stand with us at Republican.org. Uh, since last week, David B. in Georgia, Dawson J. in Florida, Melanie O. in Virginia, Neil D. in New Mexico, Alan B. in Arizona, and then finally Linda E. right here in South Carolina, where I reside. So, Thanks to all our new members, though even the ones that we that I didn't reel off right there. Please stand with us. And as as Wynn talked about in the opening segment with me, you know about our brand new website. Uh, well, not new, but redesigned. You know, you can stand with us there, like you could before. In many other resources that you can utilize with friends, with colleagues. Um, with people you know who might be skeptical on climate change. But please, if you have not done so, sign up, join, and stand with us, Jels. For sure. And, and I don't mean to NPR Pledge Week, um, the website, but if you haven't gone to visit it, even if you never saw the old one and you have nothing to compare it to, it's just so beautiful. And it makes me happy every time I click on it. And that's where you can find all our recordings of the past podcast episodes. It's where you can find Eco-Right Eco News and the Climate Weekend Review that you can sign up to get in your mailbox every Friday. So it's just a great way to find your community and to see who we are and what we're about and, and who is in our tribe. Chels referred to uh, the podcast page there. Yes, every podcast that we've ever done is also on our website, republican.org. You can also subscribe, download Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, an array of places. Uh, we would love a review. Uh, we're still working to get that 100 number that is Chelsea's dream. Um, we did get a review. Uh, I want to read this specific one since last week, Chelsea. Um, a bright spot in dark times. They give it five stars, say the world is so dark and the country's so divided right now. When your podcast comes on, dot, 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 it makes me smile. And, you know, it doesn't take long to write a review like that, and we appreciate uh, Lambda for writing that review. Uh, that's their screen name. Uh, it doesn't take any time at all to just, uh, you know, pop on how many stars you want, and then if you want to write a sentence or two, that would be awesome. Uh, we will read it on next week's podcast, but we are still in the hunt for 100. Right, and I should just let listeners know that you really do want to help me get 100 and make me happy because my son is about to leave for college, and 
I mean, every mother is happy that their son is go, their children are going to college, right? You don't want the opposite of that, which is to not go to college, but I'm going to miss him so much. And it's obviously a scary time to send a young adult out into the world. A very good friend of mine pointed out the other day that he was born four days after 9-11. So she's like, wow, he came into this world at a crazy time and now he's leaving the nest at a crazy time. So maybe this is just his destiny. Who knows what the world is going to look like by the time he's graduating or meeting other um, life milestones. But yeah, it's um, I. You could really just brighten my day by giving us a little review. It's the small things that I'm going to be looking to to keep my spirits lifted over these next few weeks as I adjust to his departure. Yeah, that's not easy. I know you guys have uh, tried to spend a lot of a lot of good time together before you know he heads off, and um, I joke with my uh, my son a lot. My oldest is nine, and I. I tell my wife I don't want to I don't want to feed him anymore. I want to freeze him in uh, carbonite freezing, like you saw in Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars. I, w- I do not want him to grow and get any bigger. I want it to stop right now. I don't want to go through what you're going through right now with your your first your oldest leaving the nest. I couldn't handle it, and I don't know how you are. You are mighty well, strong. You know- I will say I was never one of those people that was like, oh, I wish they were this age. And and I've never felt that urge to freeze them in a moment where they are. And when I first became a mother, I asked my mom what the best age was. And she said the best age is the age they are now. And I really tried to embrace that. And mm-hmm. so I have spent some time in nostalgia land looking at old baby pictures and toddler pictures and first day of school pictures. And what I am just really feeling is that, wow, I made a, I made an adult. (laughs) (laughs) I made a human and he's so interesting and he, he has his own, you know, obviously his own sense of humor and, and angle on things. And he's so smart and he reads and he is a typical, you know, zoomer in so many ways, but I, I don't know. I feel proud to have helped shape him or influence him, but I'm also just proud of who he became on his own. And I, like I said, I'm going to miss the morning. He's the other morning person in the, in the house aside from me. And I'm going to miss seeing him. He at least says hi in the morning when he gets his coffee. And then, you know, we talk about world events and so forth, but um, maybe I will just be that FaceTime mom who calls at inopportune times. Who knows? Well, hang in there these uh, last few days. Enjoy the time together. Um, we will enjoy time together next week. And with our listeners again, Chelsea, in the meantime, uh, have a great week, weekend, uh, where, whenever this finds you, whatever day you're listening, and uh, we will do it again next week. We sure will. Please check us out and give us that review. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.